Hiring the wrong people for your team can hurt your business. Did you know that the average cost per hire in the United States is around $4,000? It's a process that takes a lot of time, and when someone doesn't match the culture and mission of the organization, you start losing money by the minute. The good news is that there are proven methods that help you get the right candidate on board the first time. In our upcoming masterclass, Don't Just Hire, Hire Right, I'll explain how to conduct an effective behavioral interview. By the end of the masterclass, you'll be able to plan, prepare, and conduct a high-quality interview, ensure the process is consistent, fair, and legal, and hire the right candidate for your company. Save the date, August 23rd, 2023, at 10 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. Please find the link to register in the show notes or go to our website, Gerard Training Solutions, for more info on this and more masterclasses. If an organization is not paying attention to EDI, they are excluding a group of people or multiple groups of people and that those are the people who are affected. And that's very true. They definitely are affected if they're not welcomed and included in an organization. But it also affects everybody in the organization because every member of that organization is not benefiting from the richness of experiences that different people bring. Welcome to Management Development Unlocked, where you will learn how to nurture a world-class management team. And now your host, Eric Gerard. Welcome to another episode of Management Development Unlocked. I am thrilled that you are here. While you still have your device in your hand, I'd like to ask three favors, please. Number one, please subscribe to the show. Number two, please share the show with just one other person. And number three, go to Gerard Training Solutions and download my free ebook on becoming a manager. Today, I am pleased to have Jennifer Martineau with me. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Who are you and what do you do? Thank you, Eric. Happy to be here. Really thrilled to, to be a part of your podcast. So I am, by training, by background, I'm an industrial organizational psychologist. And I t- was very interested coming out of graduate school in training leadership development and in particular, trying to understand what makes it effective. So I was able to join an organization called the Center for Creative Leadership as a, as a very junior researcher coming out of graduate school and spent most of my career there, 26 years full, full-time on staff, um, learning, you know, creating evaluation processes, helping our clients to evaluate the programs that we were running for them, learning then that got me into design, it got me into, you know, how do we design effective leadership development, that got me into delivering leadership development. So during the time that I was there, I was really able to do, you know, many different parts of our business and became, ultimately became a member of our, of the, uh, I see, still say our, um, there's a, there's a fondness for the organization you can hear in my, in my words, but became a member of the executive leadership team and, and ran um, a, a couple of the groups there. So then in 2020, uh, before COVID hit, I actually had been thinking about this at the end of 2019, I decided to do something radically different in a way. I 
I left uh, that organization that I loved and went out on my own, created my own organization called Leap and Inspire Global. It's an LLC. It's just me. But I get to do all of that kind of work that I enjoy doing, the, the coaching, the consulting, the leadership development, and doing it with you know many different organizations and focusing on content areas that I enjoy, which we'll talk some about in our conversation today. So professionally, that's who I am. Fantastic. I love the Center for Creative Leadership. I've, I've used their materials and often refer to articles by CCL mm-hmm. in my own work. So really, really happy to have you here. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Well, today's focus will be on equity, diversity, and inclusion. And I've got a number of questions for you on that. To begin with, the language of equity, diversity, and inclusion, or EDI, is more familiar to people in recent years than, than lately. So mm-hmm. folks are really getting used to hearing about equity, diversity, and inclusion. But just so that we're on the same page, what do you mean when you say that? Okay. So yeah, quick definition of the terms. Um, equity is when people have the resources that they need to be successful, which means that that they may have different resources. You know, I, I think of an, an image of a group of people going on what we might consider a bike ride, right? And you've got three people who have the use of their legs and they're at three different heights, you know, tall, sort of average and short. And then you've got one person who doesn't have the use of their legs. If we were to give all of them the same resources, a bike that fits the the average size person, only the average size person would be able to really have a good bike ride. So rather what we need to do is we need to give them four different types of bikes. The the people who have use of their legs have what we would consider, you know, regular bicycles, but at different heights. And the person who doesn't have use of their legs needs to have a different type of bike that allows them to use their arms and their hands to to move down the the path. And so that's equity. Equity is making sure that people have the the unique resources that they need to be to reach their own potential. Inclusion is is creating a sense of belonging and so making people feel like they they are there, you know, they are welcome, they are this is a place for them regardless of who they are. I mean, given all of their individual uniquenesses and identities, that this is a place for them. And so there are certain, you know, steps that organizations take to help people feel included and like they belong. And then diversity is, is often something that is, you know, what we can count, right? So we look to organizations and say, are those organizations diverse in terms of different socioeconomic statuses of their employee base? Do they have veterans or not? Or do they have uh, representation from different races and ethnic backgrounds that, ma- that, that maps to the population? Do they have members of the LB- LGBTQIA community as part of the organization? So oftentimes when organizations, and they're really getting a lot better about this now, it used to be that they were focused on diversity. And, and so they were focused on selecting and hiring and promoting people, but not always promoting, sometimes just getting them into the organization to where it, you know, it looked like they had a diverse population of people within the organization. But the problem with that is 
if that organization is not inclusive, if the culture is not inclusive, people don't feel like they belong, and if they don't have the resources that they need to be successful, then that diversity disappears. People won't stay. Similarly, if we're not promoting, developing and promoting people and and creating that diversity across the organization, across the hierarchy of an organization, then people won't stay. So, so they've got to look beyond just the, the, the high level of the numbers when you think about diversity. You know, I, I love how you put that in plain language because <laughs> so often when, when folks explain equity, diversity, and inclusion, it, it comes with a lot of language that can be mm-hmm. you know, difficult to, to parse. Right. So I appreciate that. And being a bicyclist, being a mountain biker myself, I just I love the, the bike <laughs> analogy that works really well. Yeah. So thank you for putting that into plain English. I mm-hmm. really appreciate it. I'm sure mm-hmm. my listeners will as well. Well, let's let's double click on this. Why do equity, diversity, and inclusion matter in the workplace? I know you've touched on it in your previous mm-hmm. answer, but maybe go a little deeper. There are, uh, you know, a number of reasons I would say. Um, some people uh, would would go after the 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 business reason, the business rationale, and the fact is that when you have greater diversity in your workforce, you have you find organizations have better financial outcomes, better innovation outcomes, better share of market, and so forth. So the 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 business does better when there's more diversity in the workplace. And I'll come back to some of the ra- the reasons why. And other people will talk about because it's the right thing to do. And it really is the right thing to do, right? I, I mentioned earlier that we encourage, I encourage organizations to do as much as they can to have workforce that represents the community or communities in which they are based. Because that means that they are drawing on the richness of of the diversity of experiences that people bring from that community. And and I I did want to go back to that in terms of experiences. One of the the reasons why diversity is so important and and the reason it, it makes a difference for organizations is that you're bringing in people who are who have different life experiences who think differently from each other who you know who who have different ideas from each other and and bringing in all of that difference helps organizations be stronger it helps them be more innovative more creative more productive etc so so having diversity is important for multiple reasons you know you you you, you touched on one word there the the innovation word Mm-hmm. And how very, very important that is. I think in, in 2023, when we're recording this, where we've got chat GPT and other AI apps coming out, I think what's going to differentiate folks is their ability to be creative and innovative. One of the things that I've started saying is that the machines can't out-human a human yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so so having EDI and and having a diverse workforce that you know folks who are creative and passionate is going to make the difference between you know, a person managing a team or a bot managing a team kind right. of a thing. Yeah. Right. Yep. yep. All right. Okay. Who is affected when organizations don't pay attention to EDI? Um, frankly, we all are. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the w- one of the things that, one of the ways people think about it is that if an organization is not paying attention to EDI, they are excluding a group of people or multiple groups of people, and that those 
are the people who are affected. And that's very true. They definitely are affected if they're not welcomed and included in an organization. But it also affects everybody in the organization because every member of that organization is not benefiting from the richness of experiences that people that different people bring if you also think about then beyond an organization so let's say an organization let's let's talk about a a pharmaceutical right and if 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 a pharmaceutical company is not intentionally diverse in in all parts of its operations the research and development the production the sales etc then they are not going to create the array of products that the market needs. They won't be thinking through the lens of, of you know, difference. And, and we've seen this over time with medications not, not working for certain populations because they weren't tested on those populations when they were under development. So having people who bring a diversity of experience into an organization allows people to say, hey, have we thought about this audience? Have we thought about that market? Have we thought about this health need? And and if, you know, if a group, well, let's narrow down on, on R&D. If a group in R&D has not, has, has had a pretty similar life experience, they may not be aware some of the other experiences that they need to be developing medications for or, or testing them on. And, and so then the market is affected by it, right? So it's 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 sort of multiple levels of uh, and groupings of people who are affected when organizations don't pay attention to equity, diversity, and inclusion. Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. Yeah, if you get a bunch of a bunch of folks who are all the same in a room, they're going to develop something for people who are like them. Exactly. Uh, so right. Makes, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. All right. Okay. So that's a huge benefit of EDI in, in all industries. I, I love mm-hmm. how you use the pharmaceutical industry, but I come from tech and I could definitely see that and, and right. so on. Yeah. All right. Let's bring this into the management realm. Mm-hmm. So as a leader transitioning from individual contributor to manager, what do I need to be aware of in my own transition? Yeah. So multifaceted there. You know, if you've already, if you're staying in the same organization and, um, and, and you've been there let's say for a few, couple of years, because, you know, it's going to take a few years usually before people transition from individual contributor to manager building the experiences. You have likely already seen and experienced some of what the organization is doing or not doing with regard to EDI. And so as you are making that transition, um, one thing to be aware of is, is about how it's affecting you. So our our hiring, our promotional decisions being made in an equitable way so that so that you are getting a fair shot at moving into that manager role. If then when you move into the manager role, the the opportunities, <laughs> I would say, and the challenges open dramatically because then you you have the role and responsibility of ensuring that your management practices are equitable and inclusive and that you are leading to a diverse workforce. And so, you know, as a manager, how are you, how are you treating all of your employees? Are you treating them the very same? Do you give everybody, you know, the, the, the same benefits in terms of time off or, or the ability to have flex work schedules, because something that, you know, 
a, a schedule that works for one person won't necessarily work for another one. And so how can you help them all be at their best? You got to get to know people. You have to spend time getting to know what each individual's needs are and, and, and then designing workplace practices that enable each of them to be at their best. And then what you've got to do is communicate to your team and to others as well why you're doing it that way. And, and why it works best for everybody. Why, you know, giving someone, let's say someone wants to work. I did this once, in, in fact, in my career. When I had small children, I, I was physically in the office from 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. so that I could leave in time to get my oldest off the school bus and have her at home with me in the afternoons. And then after dinner and after the kids went to bed, then I finished my work day. And so I split my work day and my manager was supportive of it. And, and, and she had to then have a conversation with, you know, other people about what it was I was doing so that they were clear that I wasn't, you know, getting paid for a full-time job and only working part-time. And, you know, so there was, there was communication and openness and transparency that was important in, in that example as well. So it's, it's a lot of work for a manager, but in the end, it, it creates a workforce that is more engaged. And because of that, they're more productive. Yeah, I love that. I mean, it really does come down to relationships, doesn't it? It's mm-hmm. just you know, it does. getting to know people and adjusting and adapting per person. And, you know, you're, you're probably familiar with situational leadership, but the whole mm-hmm. idea of adjusting and adapting per person, per task or per yeah. goal, mm-hmm. so that each person gets what they need as they, they go through their work day. Yeah. And you don't use the peanut butter approach. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah nice. <laughs> okay, thank you. When I am a manager, how, what do I do or what can I do to create an equitable, inclusive environment that supports and sustains diversity? Yeah, so just, you know, building upon um, the, that previous conversation, some other things that you can do as a manager are to ensure that everybody is getting the kinds of challenges and the kinds of opportunities which will which will do a few things one put them in front of other people right so so developing our team members is is about me as a manager seeing what they're doing and that they're developing new skills and capabilities but it's also about other managers other directors and others you know further up the organizational hierarchy seeing what they're doing and what they're capable of doing because that then expands the perceived effectiveness you know of of them and and therefore their opportunities their future opportunities so so again making sure and, and people need to have different development opportunities and development challenges based on what it is they want to do based on their you know career desires their pe- career path and that kind of thing and so ensuring that that you're really diversifying and and providing equitable opportunities for development and challenge uh, is one thing as a manager that you can do another is to ensure that people understand how to network and that you're helping them to network and you're helping them 
to identify people as mentors and as sponsors, and I'll differentiate those two titles. But in in one of your, uh, at least one of your earlier podcasts, I, I was hearing a conversation about networking, how networking is so important. It really is. And so, you know, getting people that exposure to others in the organization is important, but also helping them to know that they need to be building relationships on their own that of 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 people who can guide them and influence them in different ways. And so I, I mentioned mentors and sponsors. Mentors are people in our network who are who are concerned about our professional development, our personal development. They want to see us grow in the kinds of ways that we want to grow skills wise, right? Skills and capability wise. Sponsors are usually people who are pretty senior in the organization because they have the ability to open doors. So they have the ability to say, hey, you know, I, I just met this this guy, Eric, and he's really very strong in software development. I'm making this up. And I think that he... I think that he would be, you know, excellent for a project that that Jane that you're doing over in your part of the organization. And I recognize that that's, you know, you're not his manager, that, you know, he's in a different part of the organization. But I really encourage you to get to know him and see if he can play at least a temporary role on that project that you've got going. Because I really think that that would be helpful for you and the project as well as helpful for him. And so that person is making the connection. You're muted. It really does come down to relationships. I, I just love how you're mm-hmm. kind of circling back to that theme of relationships and getting to know people as individuals rather than as groups or as kind of a monolith of, mm-hmm. you know, those people, they, them kind of a thing. It's like, yeah. hey, you know, individuals. And that's that's so important. And I'm finding that, you know, as I run my own business, how very important it is to to get to know people individually and and not use the peanut butter approach in, in anything that I do. Right. Yep. Nice. Right. Okay. So uh, I imagine that there are probably a few job seekers listening in this day and age. There are a lot of people looking for work. So if I'm looking for an organization that supports EDI, what are the signs that the organization is doing a good job and that I might want to go work there? That's a great question. You know, there are lots of different rankings, you know, that, that, that organizations can submit data to. And so, you know, I would encourage you to go to go look at rankings from who's got them. Fortune has them. You know, different. It dep- it really kind of depends on on what kind of lens you're looking through. I serve on an organization called the Women Business Collaborative, and it's focused as you would perceive by its name. It's focused on on women, and it also breaks down organizations through multi lenses, right? So it's not just women as a monolith. And so that's why I say through different lenses, because Catalyst is another one that focuses on women, and yet it breaks it down in terms of lean in is another one. So, you know, I would encourage you to look at different rankings, but I would also say, get to know the organization. So, you know, do, do your homework looking on, um, glass door, but also looking on, you know, what what is it that they, that people in the organization are saying about them? You can look at it through LinkedIn. 
you can talk with people, get in touch with someone who works there. Maybe, you know, maybe there's someone that you know who works in the organization and you can get their perspective and then ask them for several other people to get connected with and, and get their perspective. So, and, and meet with the organization. If you, if you even can do an informational interview before you are being considered for an open job and and get to know what are their values you can look on websites for this too right they're going to organizations are going to talk about their their values they're usually going to talk on their websites about what they do to increase diversity but you really want to be looking at not just numbers that they're throwing up but really what are they doing what are the actions that they're taking to to increase diversity? And are they talking about it through an equity lens and through an inclusion or belonging lens? So you want to look for that kind of language and 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 listen for it when you're talking with people. Yeah, and I'm seeing a lot of, of chatter, for example, on LinkedIn this month about diversity and inclusion. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is the time of year sort of a thing to... Right. To, well, to and, and it, you know, or, organizations are going to you know, they're going to respond to the, the, what is it of the month, right? So women's history month, black history month, Asian American uh, Pacific Islander history month, June is pride month, right? So they're, they're going to, they're, they're going to say things during that month. But what you want to do is you want to look for an organization that is about that year round. And so, you know, go go look in November and what, you know, what is it they're talking about in their, whether it's press releases or on their blogs or whatever it is, however they communicate with the broader public. What are they talking about year round? Yep, absolutely. All right. Well, I'd like to move on to a little bit more about what you do. Yeah. And so do you have a product or a service you'd like to plug? So I, you hear me talking about women. Mm-hmm. I actually began entering this space, this the space of equity, diversity, and inclusion, in a few years leading up to working on a book. And that book is called Kick Some Glass, 10 Ways Women Succeed at Work on Their Own Terms. My, my co-author and I, Portia Mount, were at the time the only two member women leaders of our executive leadership team at CCL. And we were seeing a lot of, this was around the the 2016 presidential elections in the U.S., we were seeing a lot of chatter about people being not sure whether a woman could be the president of the U.S. Now, we know full well, I mean, politics aside, we know full well women are capable of being a president of the United States because they're capable of being, you know, presidents of of other countries and so forth. So, that, that, that question was even there was, still was remarkable to us. We knew, Portia and I knew that CCL had a, had a great deal of research and practice experience with uh, women leaders. And so our first step was to, was to gather that and, and to really, you know, try to give it, try to amplify the work that our colleagues were doing and had been doing. And in the course of doing that, I learned so much about the ways in which organizations and cultures and legislation has for centuries kept kept anyone other than you know other than white men and mostly white men who were fairly well off kept all of them all, all of the rest of us out 
And so it just increased my passion for, for, for working in the equity, diversity, and inclusion space. And I did start in the women's space. So I, in addition to the book, Portia and I continue to do um, programs for organizations that are trying to advance women in leadership through their organizations. And I also then got to the point where I realized, in particular as a white woman, that that I have had privilege in my lifetime that black women, black men, brown women, brown men, indigenous, Asian, etc., have LGBTQ community have not had. And so it it really drove me to to deepening my knowledge, my exposure, my experience, and and wanting to to bring what I could to really to help organizations do better, quite honestly. And so the work that I do is with organizations. I do coaching, I do consulting, I do leadership development, and it's to help them, un- help organizations understand how to create more inclusive, equitable environments and cultures in their, in their organization, how to do the hard work, because it is, it is hard work. And as soon as as soon as you start doing any work that 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 tries to bring equity in our practices, somebody in a majority population is going to say, "Well, what about me? You're leaving me behind." Well, no, you know, you're you are where you are because we've been pushing you ahead for centuries. It's it's now time for us to make that right and to and to create organizations to create cultures where everybody uh, has has ample opportunity to be successful. And yes, that means that we need to provide you know equitable opportunities, which means people are going to have different resources sometimes, and that's okay. And and here's why we're doing that. So you know, communication is important there. But anyway, so that's that is what I am passionate about doing, and that's what I do. All right. Well, toward the end, we'll make sure that we know how people can find you to to okay. learn more about your research. But yeah, I've learned myself. If you want to learn about something, go write a book about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really it takes you deep, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it does. All right. And now we come to the lightning round. This is where I ask a few questions, nothing terribly personal, but it just helps the audience get to know you a little bit better. Mm-hmm. First question, if you could interview anyone, if you could sit where I'm sitting and interview anyone living or dead, who would it be and why? That is such a tough question. There are so many people that I think about. So I think the person that I would most like to interview would probably be Martin Luther King Jr. Mm. And the reason I say that is, you know, obviously he did the hard work. He fought the hard work. He fought it, though, on multiple people's behalves. So, yes, he was absolutely fighting it on, on the part of, of people with black skin or people with brown skin. But he also fought it on the part of, of people who were, in, who were not protected by their jobs, by their organizations. The reason I, I point that out is that he had his own lived experience and he also n- recognized that that there, there were people who have different lived experiences than he did and that he could lend his voice to their plight and and that's that's kind of the space that I'm in right is I I want to lend my voice and my influence and my privilege on behalf of people who are frankly not like me because people like me don't need it as much 
And so what I'd love to ask him about is how did he go about it? What did he do to learn about the plights of people who have different lived experiences than he did? Uh, I, I love how thoughtful you are in your answers. This is <laughs> this is a lot of fun. This is good, good. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> For me too. All right. Here's a here's a softball. Here's an easy mm. one. What's your favorite vacation spot and why? The beach. And it doesn't even matter what beach, to be honest with you. I as a kid, we grew up going to the beach for a week every summer. We'd rent a, a cottage on a pretty on a North Carolina beach, you know, nothing major to it, no fancy house. In fact, most of them didn't have air conditioning. But we were, as I say, we, my family, my parents, and my two brothers and I, we were out on the beach all day long. And of course, now we know about sunscreen and shade and that kind of thing. But I could sit on the beach and hear the water and and watch the horizon and, you know, get in the water and feel it and just feel so relaxed. And so that's what does it for me still. And in fact, we're getting ready to go next week. And, and like I said, it doesn't matter where in the world it is, but just being near water and hearing that, that water, the magic of the nature is, 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 um, it's restorative for me. And so that's my favorite vacation. Yep. Totally agree. I love the water. (laughs) Well, where specifically would you most like to travel? So I know there's a beach in there somewhere, but yeah. do you have do you have a destination? That's it. it that's such a different question. I can think about that differently because when I like to travel, when I think of travel, I like to experience different cultures. And uh, my husband and I just, in fact, earlier this year went to Portugal and Spain, where we had never been, and we did make this decision of, okay, are we going to find a beach and relax? And we thought, no, we're going that far. It's about the culture. So, you know, we wanted to, we stayed at Airbnbs where we were living, not in the touristy areas, but in, you know, more residential areas. So we could go to the grocery stores and, you know, and and talk to people who are from there. So if those those we went to recently, I would say also on the list, um, I have we've got some family history from Scotland and Ireland, so that's on the list of where to go at some point. I would love to go back to Africa. I've been to Kenya and Ethiopia, and I absolutely adored them and would love to go back. So it's about culture and and experiencing different cultures for me when I travel. Oh, totally agree. I would love to take the family on a European vacation yeah. and an African vacation. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to need to somehow get rich and famous to do, I know. <laughs> to, to yeah. do all that. Yeah. Last question. What brings you the most joy in your life? Right now, that is such an easy answer. We have a granddaughter who is about 21 months old and she, is, I'm G, she calls me G and having time with her is is the absolute biggest joy of my life so so it's it's the granddaughter right first, there one, first grandchild nice yeah my my goal in life right now is is to to be able to roll around and play with my grandkids on the floor exactly yep it's so to be to be in good enough shape and to not be so <laughs> decrepit that i can't play with my grandkids pilates is really good for that that's what we've been doing for a couple of years and it's been very helpful I'm in gentle yoga. I, I jokingly oh. call it stiff old man yoga. Yeah, and, right. and it, it seems to help. I just need Good. to go more often. Right. We have to build up our strength. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, that does it, Jennifer. Thank you so much. What a wonderful conversation. How can people find you? 
So they can find me um, on LinkedIn, Jennifer Martineau. They can they can email me at Jennifer at leapandinspireglobal.com. They can find me on Twitter, JW, at JW Martineau, or Instagram at Jennifer Martineau one. All right. So there's lots of ways to get a hold of Jennifer. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, thanks for listening. Please subscribe, comment, share, and connect with me on link- LinkedIn. And we will catch you on the next one. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Management Development Unlocked. Want more? Get a ton of insider tips and tools at gerardtrainingsolutions.com. 